so in 2 Corinthians, the way that it starts um, is this idea of comfort. If you guys remember, we talked about this God of all comfort. Now, the idea, the reason that it's talking about this, we came to find out last week, is we're entering in now uh, to this book into a narrative. This narrative is telling us about this very specific moment that Paul has with the Corinthian church, and it wasn't a good moment. Um, I've explained multiple times already, this is the fourth letter to the Corinthian church. We only have the second and the fourth letter, okay? Or sorry, yes, we only have the second and the fourth letter. And the reason that's important is it's been a rough go. Honestly, with, with the Corinthian church, they, they've been combative. There've been moments where they've had to rebuke and we've talked through all of this. Well, last week we honed in specifically on how Paul feels about the Corinthian church and being a pastor and what he thinks his role is. His job as a pastor of this church is to help bring forth joy, fulfill the joy of the congregation. But what we talked about, if you paid attention, he uses this word lupe a few times. As a matter of fact, a lot of times in explaining his relationship with the church. It's the word for pain. He's had this pain with the Corinthian church and we don't have a lot of details. And today we get some more details. We begin to understand a little bit more of the dynamics of this narrative and the interactions uh, that Paul calls the church to in moments of uh, pain between people and what we're supposed to do. Now, before we read through our whole text, I want you to look at just verse 11 of 2 Corinthians uh, chapter two. In just verse 11, look at this. It says this so that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs, okay? That's the last verse in our passage today. Now, if you are a believer in here and you hear the language of, so that, so whatever I just talked about, do that so that you would not be outwitted by Satan. My prayer would be that you would go, I need to know what that is. Whatever that is, I don't wanna be outwitted by the devil, as charismatic or as spiritual as that may sound, that's what Paul's putting in front of us. And so leading up to verses five through 10, help us understand what that so that is for there. Why is that there, okay? So here's our passage, verses five through 11. It says this. Now, if anyone has caused pain, he has caused it not to me, but in some measure, not to put it too severely, to all of you. For such a one, this punishment by the majority is enough. Verse seven. So you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him, or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. So I beg you to reaffirm your love for him. For this is why uh, I wrote that I might test you and know whether you are obedient in everything. Anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive. Indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, has been for the sake and the presence of Christ, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs." So let's read it. Let's go through this. Verse five, it starts with this. Now, if um, anyone has caused pain, he has caused it not to me, but in some measure, not to put it too severely, to all of you. We get a little more detail, don't we? The first thing that we recognize is last week, we were told there's this rift. Paul has been pained by this church, but it's not just the church at large. It seems to be, at least we're getting now in dynamics, there's this individual in the church. There's this person in the church that's beefing with Paul. He keeps coming at Paul, causing this pain. And then we get this idea of Paul exploding this and going, hey, listen, when it comes to um, a rift in the church, that's a community problem. That's a community problem. It can't just be two individuals. There's a community problem. He hasn't caused it just to me, not to put it too severely, but to all of you, okay? And then he goes on to say this, for such a one, this punishment by the majority is enough. If it's a community problem, then there are community repercussions to it. 
then Paul goes, listen, you guys know what this guy did to me, and now you're just like going at him, like over and over. You're making him feel bad. You're making him feel bad. You're making him feel bad to the point where Paul goes, the majority punishment that has taken place is enough. It's enough what he's experienced. Now, this may feel like, okay, well, what are we getting at? Why are we, this text, what are we supposed to do with it? Let's keep going because this is what we get in verses seven and eight, which I would contend are the crux of our passage, okay? We're actually gonna read verse eight a few different times coming back to it. It says this, so you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. So let's talk about what happened. There's a problem. There's a pain. Uh, the fabric of creation between human beings, there has uh, been something that, that, that pulls them apart a little bit, okay? There's this pain, this lupe that has taken place. Now, Paul's call now in this moment is to say, forgive, okay? Now, this is a very fundamental Christian idea, but I don't know if we've taken time to contemplate it. So I want you to hear why this imperative is so important. Now, um, you read the Bible, all of us, every person who's ever read the Bible, you're reading it through a worldview. I mean, the reality is you're reading it through a certain a set of tools or, um, for example, being a reformed faith, we come to scripture and anytime we read about salvation, we're choosing to take a structure to understand the systematic theology of salvation. We're, we're going, well, what does the Bible say about salvation? And I, and I begin to work through, okay, here's how I can process all these buckets. Maybe we're wrong, but everyone's got to take on some kind of uh, category of things and bucket things in certain ways. Well, if we were to take on the idea of forgiveness and systematize it, there's a way that our brothers and sisters in the faith, the Anabaptists, do something that I want to approach this idea for a second. If you don't know who Anabaptists are, they're Mennonites. Um, traditionally, they're known as uh, like very pacifists. If you know what, a, uh, if you understand the Amish, they're always Mennonite, Anabaptist brothers and sisters. Actually, uh, Gavin uh, uh, Linderman, who at Axiom Church right next door, um, they have Driftwood Coffee over there. Uh, they're Anabaptists, okay? And so they've chosen when they come to scripture to read it a certain way. And I think if we're gonna talk about Paul saying, there's a rift, you need to forgive. All of us believers go, yeah, forgive, but we don't know what it's like. Well, let's think about this for a second like an Anabaptist, okay? Here's Anabaptist rules when they think about the text. They say, whatever the Bible says in the Old Testament, we have to read through the New Testament. And whatever the New Testament says, we have to read through the words of Jesus. And whatever Jesus says, we have to read through the Sermon on the Mount. So if the Bible says something about the Canaanites and what are we supposed to do, the way we can understand that Old Testament passage is, well, what did the New Testament say about that? How can we read the Bible through the Bible? Well, then when we read something in the New Testament, well, what can we say? Well, what does Jesus specifically say about that? And then what would Jesus, what does the Sermon on the Mount specifically say about that? And so they tend to, right or wrong, they put an emphasis on certain things. Now, I'm not saying they're wrong in doing that. I have my own issues in, in, in approaching scripture that way. But the point is, they would pull it back enough to go, I hear forgiveness. Paul's not ignorant of the term forgiveness. He's not just dropping this around. He knows where this has been mentioned. And so I wanna take, just for a second, an Anabaptist approach. What does Jesus say in the New Testament in the Sermon on the Mount about forgiveness? Now, if you remember very specifically, some of you grew up, you might be able to quote it in the Lord's Prayer. He makes a declaration, doesn't he? Let's read it. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. This is in Matthew 6, 12. Jesus mentions this. Jesus prays and he assumes something. Father, forgive us, which we're all aware of, as assuming that we will forgive others. Now, um, 
Forgiveness and wrong can, can be kind of tricky. So let me explain this uh, for, for us to get at uh, what Paul is saying through the Sermon on the Mount and how all this works. I want you to imagine for a second you're sitting with a friend, your spouse, a parent, whoever it is, someone you love and that has a, a space to speak into your life. And I want you to imagine for a second they call you something that's terrible or they say something terrible about you. Now, what happens in that moment, whether you like it or not, um, there has been that rift that we're talking about. Something has been put on the table and has been put on you, meaning you have been offended. The offense has come upon you and you have two options. That is it, okay? You have two options. Now, these two options, before we get them, Jesus's words of debt, if you grew up uh, um, in Reformed or Anglican, you probably uh, probably uh, translate that in Jesus, uh, the Lord's Prayer, as sins. Uh, if you grew up in the ecumenical movement, which a lot of you guys have, you probably know it as trespasses. The idea, whether it's debts or trespasses, a debt is you owe something, a trespass is you've gone too far. It means there's a problem, a big problem that has taken place, a sin. And when that sin occurs, when someone sins against you, Somebody has to take this on. And I'll use this word, absorb it. Somebody has to absorb it because here's your two options. Number one, you're called that and you say nothing. And they called you whatever they called you. They said whatever they said about you and you have to absorb it. Or number two, you don't want to absorb it. And so you take it and you fire back at them. Now, you say may, might, may still hold some remnants of what was said, but because you want rep- reprobation, you, you want to be able to respond in that, you don't seek forgiveness in that moment, you respond with firing back. And you say, I'm not going to hold this, they're going to hold this. Now, here's the problem. We've grown up in a soft bankruptcy uh, uh, peddling culture, meaning when there's a wrong, we can just file for bankruptcy, and that debt, as Jesus talks about, or that pain, it could just go away. Okay, that's a very American idea. Hear me when I say this. At a subconscious level, pain does not go away like that, okay? The the human experience is not lived out through ideas of bankruptcy. The New Testament gets the model, for example, in Matthew 18, debtor's prison. When someone owes something, something has to be paid. And so here's this debt that comes upon you, this sin that comes upon you. Your options are either to absorb it or to respond back. Those are your only options. You don't just let it sit. If you've ever had kids, you know exactly what I'm talking about because the reality is they make a mess. You call all four of them in. Let's just say their names are Corbin, Titus, Eve, and Anna. You call all them in and you say, who made this mess? And what's magical is nobody made the mess. The mess made itself. And you say, you need to clean up this mess. And all of them go, I didn't make the mess. Well, here's what I know about the mess. The mess is not going to, by the laws of nature, pick itself up. It is going to stay there until somebody eats it. Somebody's got to take the mess. Somebody's got to begin to clean it up. And this is what happens. There's been a rift between Paul and this person. And somebody, when the church is involved in this moment, as he, he uh, categorizes all this in, under, under a community banner, somebody's got to eat it. And what Paul says is, you guys, you absorb it. You absorb it. Look at our text so we can understand some of all this because the reality is this is a very unnatural thing to do. Everything within you when you are wronged, um, it wants to kick back. I get it. Believe me, I get it. You, you want to fire back. You do not want to absorb it. It's a very unnatural thing. That's why C.S. Lewis says in The Four Loves, everyone likes the idea of forgiveness and sees it as beautiful until they have to do it. I mean, until you, you walk in this and you see this. And so we get to our text when he says, so you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him. Here's the first thing, understanding all these ideas of forgiveness. Look what Paul says, you're to not avoid it. We're good at avoiding, not forgiving. 
were to turn towards that person. When you are wronged, we even have language for this, the cold shoulder. When you are wronged, you don't want to continue to face that person. You don't want to address it. You want to avoid it. Or if you do address it, you want to fire back. But that's not what Paul says. Look at turn to forgive and comfort. You see that? Then look at this. So you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. We get a little more detail, don't we? This person inside this church as a believer is repentant. So I want you now imagine you've been wronged and that person is sorry for what they've done. What Paul is saying in this moment is they're sorry for what they've done. They've wronged you in a way. And here's what's happening. They're experiencing that sorrow. They're absorbing that sorrow. (laughs) This is so counter to our culture. Scripture is just telling us right now, I need you to think about the person who's wronged you. And I need you to think about this for a second. If they carry this weight for too long, if they absorb too much of it, and you as believers don't come alongside them and absorb some of it, carry some of the weight, it's gonna be too much. It's gonna be too much for them. And so they'll have excessive sorrow. You know what's awesome about that word sorrow? It's the word lupe. This is what's fascinating. It's the same word that Paul used. What happened? Paul felt sorrow. What happened is the church turned this pain, this lupe, and put it back on him. Somebody's got to carry it. And so Paul's not carrying it anymore. You want to know who's carrying it? The man who committed the, the wrong. And so in him carrying it, Paul says, we have to now come alongside that person and carry it with them, absorb it with them. This is so unnatural. This is not part of the way that you would uh, normally want to interact. But by the power of the gospel, Paul is calling them to this. Now, verse eight, let's keep going. I want you to see this. In verse eight, we're gonna come back to it. It says this, because I think it helps us understand this. So I beg you to reaffirm your love for him. Okay, we're gonna come back to this. Look at verse nine. For this is why I wrote that I might test you and know whether you are obedient in everything. I, I love this. It's so unnatural. Paul's going, I'm asking you to do this because it's difficult. This is to the point of testing, to be obedient in this. If you can be obedient in this, that's a big ask, okay? There's been a wrong committed. And then in verse 10, it says this. Anyone... Whom you forgive, I also forgive. Indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, has been for your sake in the presence of Christ. Now we're gonna come back to verse eight here in a second, but I want you to see in verse 10 what Paul's doing. Paul's asking the church, saying there's been a wrong committed between people. I'm asking you to absorb it, church. As believers, I'm asking you to absorb it. Our response is, that's not very natural. And so Paul goes, here's what I'm asking you to do though. I'm asking you to remember that you're in the presence of Christ. He begins to pocket these things together for us to understand, um, going back now to the Lord's Prayer, we have been forgiven, just this two little words here, as you have forgiven. You don't remember, look at, look at let's be Anabaptist here for a second. Look how they would process this. Uh, again, in, um, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, and forgive us our debts, two little letter uh, word there, as we also have forgiven our debtors. I wanna stop and just do a side moment for a second. I think you would be amazed in believing in the uh, substitutionary atonement work of Jesus Christ. You would be amazed at how much scripture in the New Testament connects you forgiving other people to your forgiveness to God. I think you'd be fascinated. I'll just share some of these things. You might be, as as I just read in the Lord's Prayer, uh, you might not know this though. Even in the Lord's Prayer, he teaches us how to pray. After he says this little bit on forgiveness, he then says, deliver us from temptation, right? 
Okay, so he said this whole prayer, all these different points. It's not at the end. And then he stops and goes, now I said something in the Lord's Prayer I want to comment on. I, I, and he only comments one time on the Lord's Prayer. He only has one commentary on the Lord's Prayer. And it's the part on forgiveness. So he goes back and he says this, specifically on the Lord's Prayer in verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Okay, I know we don't like that, but I want you to listen to what he just said. Listen, listen very closely. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. <laughs> Wrestle with that for a second. Tell me that doesn't sound a little like works-based weirdness, Okay. Verse 15, but if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. I mean, this is all over. This is in Matthew 18, the unforgiving servant. This is in James 2, I believe it's in verse 13, that judgment without mer- judgment is without mercy to those who show no mercy. Scripture over and over reminds us, and it does this weird thing of tying the way that we forgive others, why this is so important, why Paul is saying to do this to our forgiveness in God. Well, what do we do with this as believers? How can we understand this? Well, I think the way we can understand verse 10 is to go back to verse 8, okay? I want you to look at verse 8, um, and it says this, so I beg you to reaffirm your love for him. Now, there's some words in here that are worth unpacking, but I want you to know first, maybe if you're not aware, the work of Jesus, and you might already see where I'm going when I say this part, but I want you to remember the macro level, the worldview we hold. God makes all things good. There's a rift. In Genesis 3, something's broken. Okay, what did we just talk about when there's something broken? Somebody has to absorb the brokenness. Somebody has to. So you, if you've been a Christian long enough, you already know where I'm going. That's what Jesus does. He absorbs the brokenness. Genesis 3 breaks the good thing. Somebody has to absorb it. He's sitting across the table. Jesus is sitting across the table from the world and going, you made a mess. You did something wrong. I will absorb it. That's exactly what happens. That, that's the idea of what's going on here. Then what happens is, and here's how we can understand this. In verse 8, we're told to, and I quote, So I beg you to reaffirm your love for him. You may not be aware of this, but that word reaffirm is a courtroom legal term. Uh, We would use this, uh, it's like, um, well, Amy Coney Barrett right now. She's going to be confirmed into the Supreme Court. Or maybe she was already confirmed into the Supreme Court. Has she already been confirmed? Is that already done? Okay. Um, Okay, so so, political statements on Sunday. Uh, This Tuesday, y'all, let's get it. This Tuesday is going to be wild. (laughs) Staying up till like 2 a.m. Um... Who are we talking? Okay, so Amy Coney Barrett, Amy Coney Barrett, she's confirmed. The idea is she's put in place. She she is now uh, uh, put in this position, and in the same way, this is the word reaffirm. Now, here's what I want you to hear in this. What Paul just said, what Paul just said is, I want you to reaffirm your love for him. Now, Now, listen, you have to do this for yourself all the time. You have to remember, man, I suck, I've sinned, I can't get it right, but there's good news. Because of the work of Jesus Christ, you have to remember and remind yourself who you really are, where you really stand because of the work of Jesus Christ. In the same way, you've got to fight and struggle to remember who you are in Jesus Christ, to remember that it's not based on what you do. Paul is saying he's using the same word that you have been confirmed under the banner of Jesus Christ. He's using the same word to say, and this is what we do with others. In the same way, you've got to remind yourself it's not based on what you do that God loves you. In the same way that is true for you, it is not on what they do that you love them. We now walk out 
this mode of Jesus Christ. We live it out in such a way so that when we see this word, so that I beg you to reaffirm someone has sinned, there's been a problem, and in this moment we absorb it, following like Jesus Christ, living this out, which is very counter, and then we get our two words, so that we go full circle. So that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. I hate to sound super overly charismatic maybe, but I want to remind you of something. Um, Forgiveness is not just you and your heart and your mind. It's not just practical. It's not just uh, working through, navigating these relationships. Paul just made an amazing, I think profound statement. He just said forgiveness is, is spiritual. When you deal with forgiveness or lack thereof, you involve the devil. You involve the devil. Meaning, again, this is at the risk of sounding charismatic, the devil likes that you will harbor bitterness towards them. That, 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 if there's schemes to the enemy, the devil wants you to not forgive. The devil wants you to sit there and wants you to say, don't absorb it, send it back. Volley it back. I mean, you're there on social media. Follow it back. You're there in a relationship. Volley it back. Don't hold it. No, 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 no. Fire it back. Fire it back. He wants you to harbor that. He wants you to fire it back. He wants you to be distrust, disunity, specifically in the church. This is a plan, again, at sounding charismatic, this is a plan, a way to outwit us by the devil. Man, when you think of being outwitted by the devil, maybe you're thinking of sexual morality, maybe you're thinking of gossip, maybe you're thinking of these, these plans that he's doing within Planned Parenthood or at a political level. No, 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 no. Let's just start with forgiveness. A very base understanding of being a Christian here in this moment, we can be outwitted if we do not walk out forgiveness the way that Jesus has called us to walk out. Specifically, Paul is reminding us Jesus lived out. So here's what I would finish with. I want to remind you of um, I know that there are moments that some of you have been sinned against wildly. As a matter of fact, there's moments where some of you have absorbed something and forever, even though you don't want to, you will carry this. I think of the heinous act, maybe if a woman has been raped, right? She can work and work and work to continue to uh, uh, fight to uh, get into a place to forgive the one who has harmed her, but she's always gonna carry remnants of that. There's been a rift, something that Jesus has to do in a miraculous way, okay? But the reality is not all of those are escalated to that level. Not every, everything uh, is there. And there are some of you um, who could intentionally enter into this act of forgiving, enter into absorbing that as much as it would be terrible, even though you feel like they are wrong and you shouldn't be saying sorry, even though you feel like spouses, uh, they should say the first word, whatever it is, right? What Jesus is calling us to is to forgive and comfort, to enter into that brokenness and absorb it. And we get to be just a little bit like Jesus. Just a little bit like Jesus every time we do that. I pray that'd be true for us, not just for one another, but our friends and family, non-believers, that we would be salt and light in that way, that we'd continue to respond to reflect Jesus to a watching world. Let's pray. Father, thanks for um, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Thank you that we are reminded that... Um, it's in your presence, Jesus, that we need to understand forgiveness, that we need to, in the same way we have been confirmed or reaffirmed in um, your love to stand before you, we need to reaffirm our brothers and sisters. We need to remind them of your love for them. 
Now, this is not easy, specifically towards those who have said things about us in front of us, said things about us behind our back. This is not easy when people have wronged us or taken advantage or um, done terrible, terrible things. This is not an easy task. And so I pray very specifically for every single person here, Spirit, we need your help. Holy Spirit, that you would go before us, you would work within us, you would show us what does it mean to work our way out of this. We don't want to be outwitted. We, we want to walk a path of joy, but we don't know how to in this moment. So I pray, Spirit, you'd help us. I pray for every person here who is harboring um, insane amounts of unforgiveness and bitterness. I, I pray, God, that you would show them uh, how to live this out how to, to begin to let these things go, to have conversations with that person, to, um, to even maybe ask for forgiveness across the table from that person. I, I just pray that we wouldn't be outwitted. I pray that these things would begin to work their way out uh, by your power, Spirit. Help us in that. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.